Tomorrow night, you will enter the childhood home of our most brutal mass murderer. The home has been rigged up with several cameras, but for the most part, the audience will see only what you see. Six friends. Are you sure they're not just putting us in some house with hidden cameras in the shower? This is gonna be fun. Have been offered fame and fortune. That's the American dream. All they need to do. All the windows will be boarded up and all the doors will be locked shut behind them. No one will be allowed to leave until the show is over. You stay the night. Let the danger-tainment begin! Now. You think this is the one that he used to, you know, do his thing? The webcast is live. One flash and you could light up a thousand computer screens. You are like this close to getting voted off the island. The stage is set. Has anybody else seen this? Halloween Resurrection, Halloween 8. Eight Halloweens. Three years after H2O, that is when this movie takes place. How did Michael Myers survive after his head fell off? How did a headless man without a horse survive to kill again? And how did Busta Rhymes make his way onto this cast? Are you kidding me? Dangertainment. Uh, synopsis says he's back for more when a group of teens wins a contest to spend the night in Michael Myers' childhood home to be broadcast live on the internet. They believe they are in for a little fun and some free publicity, but things go frightfully wrong and the game turns into a struggle to make it out of the house alive. Uh, this movie was released um, 
nationwide on July 12, 2002. I don't know if that's worldwide or nationwide. All I know is that Americans are dumb enough to pay to see this shit. Um, 30.3 million at the box office. 30.3 million. Now, I don't give a shit about this movie enough to look at how much it was to make. Okay? I don't know what the cost was. All I know is that 30.3 million at the box office. The eighth, the eighth, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, the eighth installment of a franchise based around a single geriatric man in a white mask who simply cannot be stopped. Someone who loved it, Jacob D., says, Halloween Resurrection is definitely the strongest film in the Halloween franchise. The film covers a variety of different issues, while also creating a creepy yet thought-provoking experience for the viewers. The film covers how the media will go too far, (coughs) fuck, and that people will not care. I feel is a topic that is well beyond its time in 2002 and was very brave in doing so. Ultimately, this film is definitely the highlight of the franchise and was well beyond its time. It is also much scarier than the others. Jacob D. The people who made this movie, spoiler alert, and I'm not even talking about the movie, they weren't trying to be brave, Jacob D. They were trying to make money which is why they brought back an old man in a mask who doesn't know when to stop. Uh, Someone who hated it, Kayla T. Jacob D. Kayla T. said on February 17th, 2020, I like to pretend this film never happened. It's so awful and completely ruins the awesome ending of H2O. The most remarkable thing about this review was that Kayla T. left it on February 17th, 2020. This was almost exactly a month before the United States got shut down due to the coronavirus. This is the first time, a first on the Mikey Hates Horror Podcast, um, that I've ever applauded COVID because I'm happy the pandemic happened to Kayla T. Because Kayla T thinks that the ending of H2O was awesome. <laughs> Which makes Kayla T a true mark for bad movies. Kayla T, I hope you stood in line and waited to get into Target. Just to run back to the toilet paper section and find that no toilet paper was available. Because the panicked people in front of you put their own ass wiping above your own. Kayla T, I hope your favorite thing to do is eat at Chinese restaurants. The buffets. And I and I am glad, Kayla T, that you could not do this. You could not eat at such a place for one entire year. The world was on cusp of a global pandemic. And you, Kayla T... You were watching Halloween Resurrection 18 years after this movie came out. 
and you were leaving a shitty review because you thought the ending of H2O, the big eye hole movie, was awesome. That's it. Um, I've had enough. I'd love to quit now, but apparently I can't do that. So just roll the movie. Like, I, I just don't want to spend any more time on this. Hey! Get! Get out of here! Ah. Thomas Ian Nicholas, as these credits roll, I see, um, is in this movie. He was the guy from American Pie who ate uh, Tara Reed's Vag Crack. And um, as these credits play, uh, I see they also throw in that the Halloween theme is still by John Carpenter, which would have been totally hilarious if they would have just threw in a new name for the shits and giggles of it, like Halloween theme by Patrick Williams. Patty! So the movie begins, Jamie Lee Curtis's voice talking about a door. And enough with her! She, 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 she shouldn't be here anymore! It's not needed. Jamie Lee Curtis is no longer needed. If it's another Halloween movie, stop acting like Jamie Lee Curtis is important or good at killing. Michael, three cracks at it now. She's had three cracks at it now. She's had three chances. And apparently, uh, jamming a hanger in his eye didn't work. Blowing him up was pointless. And something must have went wrong with chopping his head off. Or else we wouldn't be here right now. The tunnel. The one we all go through. At the end of the door is a door. At the end is a door. And waiting is either heaven or hell. Or Ashton Kutcher saying, You've been punked! I was the Halloween guy this entire time! Jamie Lee Curtis says, This is that door. As on screen, we see a door. And it's the door that leads to her room in the Grace Anderson Sanitarium, the one where she sits staring at nothing all day, taking up space and having her meals funded by my tax dollars. Also, that she can enjoy fake Salisbury steak and carrots. Her hair is longer now, by the way. She's no longer John Stamos Strode like she was in H2O. She's back to being Lori Strode. Weird, wiry-haired Lori Strode. And why does she sit staring at nothing? I don't know. Where's Josh Hartnett, who played her son John in H2O? Probably doing press for Pearl Harbor and gearing up to star in 40 Days and 40 Nights. No, it's just Lori now, alone, staring at a wall, even after she chopped off the head of her evil brother because the guilt of killing a killer is killing her. Two nurses are walking around and uh, they're walking towards her door down the hall and uh, one asks why Lori is in lockdown. Well, here it is, everybody. Here it is. The reason why this movie exists. The reason why we're back in a shitty Michael Myers movie in 2002. Lori is in there because she chopped the wrong head off. The wrong head fell off the wrong body and rolled across the ground like a flat soccer ball with big eye holes. It was not Michael Myers. Eh? Eh? Let me tell you how. When Michael fell through a table in H2O, a paramedic checked on him. Well, 
Michael came alive and attacked this guy, switched costumes with him, and then walked off into the night wearing ambulance man clothes. The guy would have told Lori with Michael Myers' mask on that this was all just a big misunderstanding, but he couldn't because he could not speak because Michael Myers crushed his larynx. Despite the big eye holes, Lori still thought this man was Michael Myers. And despite Michael switching costumes with him, he still left him alive to possibly tell the story because there's no way Michael knew that he crushed the man's voice box. Michael Myers is not a bone doctor. Michael frolicked off into the darkness with his butcher knife still in hand while the other paramedics loaded the wrong man into a body bag because they can't pull masks off of faces because identifying dead bodies is not important. Only after the head fell off the body did they realize, wait a minute, that's not Mike Myers. That's Jeff. He's a father of three. Oh no. Worse yet, the guilt Lori must feel because this is all about her and her fiber optic hairdo. The nurses go into Lori's room to administer the pills and they're just chatting freely in front of her. She hasn't said a word in years. She might be suicidal. They found her up on the roof a few times and it's cool to say this in front of her because she's not deaf, but it's all good because 2002 was wild. Lori acts out of it, but when the nurses leave, <laughs> it was all an act because Lori spits the pill out and puts the pill in her Raggedy Ann doll full of other pills she also spat out because Lori doesn't take the pills. She's been waiting this entire time. And for who? <laughs> well, we don't have to wait long to find out because Lori looks out her window and there he is. There's Michael. Which, by the way, can I just point this out? This movie could not be made today. And I mean that in like saying this horror movie could not be made today. A new slasher could not be made today because people don't name their kids Michael anymore. They name them Elias. And I'm sorry if you have a kid named Elias, but Elias Myers does not ring a bell. Okay. These names were simple. They were to the point, And these killers were simplistic, which is why they were scary. No one's going to think Elias Myers is scary. Okay. Oliver Myers. Nobody is afraid of an Oliver fucking Myers. Okay. Oh, watch out. Here comes Oliver. He's going to steal your Pokemon cards and he might break into your car and steal like your iPhone. Oliver Myers sucks. Standing below her window, it's Michael Myers. And despite giving his entire ensemble away at the end of H2O to switch costumes with somebody else, Michael Myers has a new mask now and a new jumpsuit because he doesn't believe in changing up his wardrobe to stay incognito. And how did Michael Myers find her here? How did he find Lori here? Especially, how did he know which window outside this asylum was Lori's? Outside, a security officer checks the perimeter. He's just carrying on like he's, you know, waiting for something bad to happen. And with good reason. Because behind him, look out, it's Harold. 
a mental patient who scares him. Backstory on Harold, he wears clown masks and he pretends to be John Wayne Gacy because Harold loves serial killers. In fact, Harold knows when the serial killers were born and how they lived, etc. The security officer, he isn't even alarmed. Harold got out again. He just nonchalantly leads Harold back to his cell because security at mental wards just, you know, it's not a priority, okay? Don't focus on that so much. Just worry about the paperwork. But wait, is Harold aware? A real live active serial killer is on the perimeter. Michael Myers has come to Grace Anderson Sanitarium because Lori sucks at killing killers. You know who also sucks? The security team for Grace Anderson Sanitarium. After Willie, the security guard, puts Harold back in his room, his boss is like, Hey, Willie, uh, not trying to come down on you or anything, but uh, Harold is still wandering around. And he points to the security camera. What kind of security is this? And what kind of talking to is this coming from the head of security at a mental hospital? Look, buddy, uh, I'm not trying to be a real meanie head. We're buds and all, and I like going fishing together. And also going to see Scary Movie 2 in theaters because it's 2002. But hey, if you're going to be a guard, you better guard stuff. Or else, you know, I might have to start answering some questions. And man, I hate doing that. Because they're going to want to know why we aren't doing our jobs, man. And I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about how hot Brittany Murphy is. And how Tupac keeps releasing new music, even though he died six years ago. And not to spoil a good relaxing night at Grace Anderson Sanitarium. But that is not Harold on the monitor. That is Michael Audrey Myers murdered his sister in 1978, took a whole movie off, and then killed more teens until this very moment where he's tracked down, despite a complete lack of resources and technology in 2002, the only person he's wanted to kill, a wispy-haired hose beast. The two men, the security guards, they go and they track down the wanderer by the snack machine. And speaking of snacks, Willie is hungry because he skipped dinner. And he's willing to put off restraining an escaped inmate for a few seconds so he can buy a bag of Cheetos. And his boss? His boss is like, hurry up. Which should be any boss's standard reply when an employee is abandoning his duties to get a snacky poo. I would have just let Willie go right then and there. Hey, uh, Willie, uh, this isn't working out. What? Why? Well, not only do inmates get out on the regular under your guard, uh, but you also put off getting them back in their cell until after you eat Fritos. And I just can't do that. I'm going to have to start answering questions, Willie. The boss security guard confronts who he thinks is Harold. And Willie hears his screams. Willie wanders over to the now running dryer because the snack machine was near a laundry room, apparently. This movie fucking sucks. Well, maybe you suck. Excuse me? I said, well, maybe you suck. Are your fucking headphones not working? No, my fucking headphones are working fine. What the fuck do you mean to maybe I suck? This fucking movie sucks. How can you say that the movie sucks when you can't even get shit factually accurate? Fuck do you mean factually accurate? What are you talking about? Who are you? I'm you, asshole, and you're not factually accurate. How am I not factually accurate? 1978. What the fuck about 1978? That's not when he killed his sister. Oh yeah, wise guy, when do you fuck when do you fucking kill his sister? Nineteen sixty three.
Well, good for you, nerd. Good for you that you know more about movies than I do, apparently. Halloween Kills was a great movie. There's no blood, there's no trace of a struggle, and Willie doesn't even call out for anybody, especially his boss. But hey, you know, it's time to check the laundry. Willie can't help but notice that the facility must use Downey because these sheets are softer than Pam Anderson's boobies. But he also discovers something else. His supervisor's head in the laundry, and I'm not sure that stain is coming out. That's because Downey doesn't get stains out as a fabric softener. Willie freaks out. And he's just, he's flipping out. And he trips over the decapitated body behind him that he stepped over and ignored to begin with because this decapitated body was always there. Like, this decapitated body did not just appear. Willie must be an idiot who still trusts stack machines with his dollar bills in 2002. Technically, the headless body should have been the first thing that Willie saw. But I guess Willie doesn't pay much attention to detail, which is why his nut jobs keep escaping easily from their cells and wandering the grounds. Willie may have missed the headless body, but I bet he won't miss what else is behind him. Matthew Myers. Matt grabs Willie and opens Willie's throat with his knife. And then Matthew wanders through the hospital, which is now deserted. And apparently he can just openly go anywhere with ease. And he breaks through Lori Strode's door with no trouble at all. It's time to end this nightmare once and for all. This self-important evil babysitter has been on the run for far too long. And she even thought she chopped his head off. But she chopped the wrong guy's head off because she's an idiot. Michael wants to live his life in peaceful obscurity. And it's time to put a stop to all of this nonsense. This woman with this grudge against him who wants him dead. It's not healthy for anybody. Michael musters up the brave courage and stabs the lump in Lori's bed, but it's not her. From behind, Lori smacks Michael in the head with a lamp and leads Michael on a chase up to the roof, where if you were listening in the beginning of this movie, the nurses were talking about finding her a couple times before. Michael walks out onto the roof, right into Lori's trap. She's like, hello, Macklemore. And she ropes Macklemore's foot with a contraption, pulling Mackie upside down and dangling him over the edge of the building. And Lori should end it here. But wait, Michael remembers that he's smarter than Lori Strode. And he's got a trick up his sleeve. And mind trick at that. Jedi shit. Darth Maul, Darth Mike. As he swings upside down, Michael Myers attempts to pull his mask off, insinuating that Laurie Strode might have the wrong guy again, just like the paramedic. But how could it be the wrong guy when he busted in her room and tried to stab her? Hey, I know. There's no way. Laurie knows there's no way. Another paramedic in Michael's mask wouldn't have traveled all this way and tried to kill her unless he was seriously concerned about her blood tests. But should she be sure? Two wrong headless bodies in a row would not look good on a resume. Lori grabs Michael's knife and tells Michael that he failed. She goes to cut the rope to send Michael plummeting to his death, but damn it, what if it's a stupid ambulance intern who got caught up in a whoopsie? 
She tries pulling the mask off, but Michael grabs her, the rope snaps, and they both go over the ledge of the building hanging by a rope like Batman and Vicky Vale at the end of the 89 Batman. Only this is re- less romantic because Michael stabs Laurie in the back. Laurie kisses him on his white latex lips for whatever reason, tells him that she'll see him in hell, and then Michael lets her plummet 10 feet to her death, which, well... You know, I'm not sure 10 feet would have killed anybody in this scenario. Sure, you know, it would hurt and all to land, but I mean, she, Lori may still be alive is all I'm saying. Like, what if she landed wrong, her foot snaps in half, and she just lays on the ground below screaming, ow, 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 and Michael just hangs there from the rooftop, just unsure of what to do now, and uh, he just... He just watches below as they wheel Lori away to an ambulance as the SWAT team gathers beneath him with a trampoline. And then the movie ends here because Michael Myers is geriatric and he should have been caught like literally 18 years ago. But that's not how this movie ends because this was 2002. People paid $8.50 for their movie tickets. They had to give these people a show. Michael goes back inside the loony bin, risking further immediate capture, makes a stop at Harold. Remember Harold, the serial killer, you know, fanatic guy. He, Michael makes a stop at his cell where he hands Harold his knife and he walks away just knowing Harold's a fan and Harold, Harold's tickled pink. Harold knows about Gacy, Bundy, Dahmer, and you know who else he knows about? Michael Myers, born October 19th, 1957, killed his older sister, killed three high school students, killed three nurses and a paramedic the same night, killed four students in 1998, has been missing for the last three years, and now, (laughs) he's back. That was scary. Ugh, grow the fuck up. Halloween Resurrection. So we head over to Haddonfield University now that the main movie has begun where a professor is preaching There's evil shit inside of all of you! All of you! Sarah, a student in the class, agrees with him. It's called The Shadow. After class, Sarah rides her battery-powered dirt bike on a crowded campus sidewalk when Blondie Jennifer catches up with her. Jennifer is excited. And she has something to tell Sarah. But first, they have to find Rudy. And I'm not talking about the football dude here. I'm talking about Rudy being a dude in a culinary class cutting veggies. And hopefully not the cheese! (laughs) Get it? Fart jokes have not been funny since you were eight years old. That's where you're wrong, voice inside my head, because farts are always funny. Yeah? Well, you fart into your mic and no one listens to your podcast. How do you explain that? Blondie Jen breaks it to Rudy and Sarah. They got in! Jen, Sarah, and Rudy, all three of them got chosen. And for what, you ask? For a Halloween night web investigation of the Myers house. Hosted by Dangertainment, a website ran by Busta Rhymes and Tyra Banks in 2002. Which was a big deal. After breaking the news to Rudy, Sarah and Jen go to their dorm room to smell each other's socks and discuss this opportunity further. It'll be like an active crime scene and a chance at a scholarship, even though they're already in college and paying for courses that won't help them in future career search. 
So, um, uh, we see you have a bachelor's from Milton Bradley University. What was your major? Arts and Theater of Field Biology Studies. Okay, right. Well, this was fun. Uh, we'll, um, we'll, 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 we'll call you. While chatting, they get interrupted when another guy walks through their open dorm room door and warns them about the Myers house while touching their panties, which are just hanging up and drying in their dorm room. He walked the hallways. He helped his mother in the kitchen. That was the house where it all started. Jen rubs his nose in her shit-stained panties and pushes the intruder out of the room. Sarah isn't disturbed, though. She actually needs to email somebody. And that somebody happens to be a guy named Deckard, a dude she's never met before, even though they go to the same university and live on the same campus. Deckard is her email pen pal in this potential Manti Teo situation. Heed the warnings, people. Deckard could be a 300-pound man. He could be 64 years of age with man tits. Luckily for Sarah, he's not. He's this boy guy with poofy hair who gets his rocks off by talking to girls on the internet. I know the feeling, actually, because uh, as I stated earlier, 2002 was wild because I was doing the exact same shit. I didn't have money for AOL or chat rooms, so I sought out free internet chat rooms on Earthlink because, you know, I was cheap and I didn't have a job because I was fucking 14. And I found this website called cheertime.com. Now, cheertime.com is a website for cheerleaders. And I was not a cheerleader. I didn't have the time to cheer either. But it was a way for me to talk to chicks before texting was really a thing. So I was all in. I was on cheertime.com when I started talking to this girl named Lizzie. And even though I falsely told her that I had blonde hair, blue eyes, and a six-pack, I had feelings for Lizzie because she liked talking to me. Probably because she thought I had abs and a cute face. Little did Lizzie know, she was talking to a chronic masturbator who liked Doritos and Slim Jims. I also like wrestling too, and I would have gladly let her give me the stink face, even though I didn't know what she looked like either. Lizzie... Could have been a 300-pound, 64-year-old guy with man tits. Before we could go anywhere and engage in marriage and holy matrimony, we fizzled out. And, you know, well, it irks me to this day, which is why I'm talking about it on this show. It's better to have loved and lost than never loved at all. But Deckard, Deckard has a shot, so I'm pulling for him. Do it for me and Lizzie, Deckard. Please, get it in with Sarah. Let her give you the stink face. Deckard seems like a nice guy, and he happens to be rooming with the most annoying guy in the world. Sure, Deckard isn't exactly who he says he is, including Deckard not even being his real name, but his roommate? I feel comfortable in saying that this guy's career never went anywhere after this movie. Just, just an annoying, blonde, floppy-haired piece of shit who was cast to be Deckard's secondhand sidekick. And even though he nailed the part, it just confirmed to everybody in Hollywood that this roommate man kid should not be on a screen anywhere. He's like, Deckard, here's Deckard. Why don't you look at porn? Now what are you doing? That guy was so happy too, telling his family he got a role in the new Halloween movie. 
in 2002. Gather round, gather round, family. I have some exciting news. You're all looking, feast your eyes, at a future Hollywood movie star. Because I scored a part in Halloween 8. I'll sign autographs. No, 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 no. Don't be, don't be proud or shy. Get them while they're cheap. Because after this movie comes out, they'll be at full price. Sarah rides her mini battery sand bike to the meeting place for all the cast members. And, uh, oh boy, you know, what, what do we have here? Busta Rhymes and Tyra Banks are there congratulating these random six people on their selection to investigate the home of Michael Myers. Then they interview each cast member on camera for some backstory on what each of them hopes to find in the Myers house. And when we get to Sarah, they ask her some super complex question because a lot of thought has to go into a haunted house with webcams. Some dumb crew member knocks over this lamp behind Sarah and this completely startles her, causing Sarah to scream at the top of her lungs. Her screams shatter a glass of water in the back of the room beside Rudy, who says, damn, that girl can sing. Which, you know, is something you say when someone shatters glassware beside your head with their vocal range. What about, holy shit balls, your screams broke glass. Are you an opera singer? Is this a part of the show? No, no one even asks any questions. No one halts the project in its tracks and pulls Sarah aside for an immediate psyche bell. No, instead, Busta rhymes. He's ecstatic about this. He's grinning and he's like, now that's what we're looking for. Ooh, past the cavassier. This was a weird scene in retrospect because nowhere else in this movie are Sarah's vocal abilities even involved. It would have been one thing if Sarah's yells would have made Michael's head explode at the end or something, but I'm telling you, nothing else comes from this. They just threw this scene in there for shits and gigs. Later, Buster Rhymes is in, he's in his hotel room and he's getting excited as he watches karate movies. And then a knock at his door. Is it the press? Is it Dr. Dre with another music video idea? How about Michael Myers himself, who's all like, yo, I hope what you're playing at my house and all, but just to let you know, that's still my legal address. I still live there. Nope, none of the above. It's Sarah who rode over to a Platinum Rapper's Motel 6 room on a moped. Sarah says that she's dropping out of the thing because she's freaked out and she's not like the others. Busta, though, he sets her straight, though. He's like, listen to my album, Genesis. Buy that shit. Also, I know you ain't like the others. They wannabes. You the real deal. I highly recommend track three. Sarah doesn't want to be famous, though. She's scared. Busta comes back with premium wisdom and motivation only the man who wrote Break Your Neck could offer. He says, fear is good. Fear motivates. You'd be surprised at how much you surprise yourself. Sleep on it, bitch. Truck volume. After Sarah walks away, Busta congratulates himself on how good he is. He pats himself on the back, and then he's like, oh shit, and he gotta, he, he's got to get back to his karate movie. This guy has a song called Shut Em Down 2002. He's timeless. 
The next day, Jen and Sarah are trying on outfits for their big internet debut, and Sarah is going through all the motions we saw in other movies before this one. She thinks she sees Michael in the mirror, standing outside in broad daylight. Of course, it's, it's an illusion, and definitely not an omen at all. What could go wrong? Nothing can ever go wrong in Haddonfield. Now, um, she's jumpy over nothing. Plus, the guy whose house she's going to visit was never found. It's documented that the wrong guy died and Laurie Strode is dead. But, uh, you know, hey, Dangertainment. Tonight on Dangertainment, watch these hoes get down to the flow. Hey, we're going to Michael Myers' house to get some more. You feel the flow? Hey, these nuts. Checking back in with Deckard and his roommate. And there's an issue. Mickey Stern's Halloween party is tonight. And Deckard knew that. Two freshmen have never been invited before, but Deckard and this floppy-haired piece of shit, they have. This is a record-setting night. I have a question. How long has this Mickey Stern been throwing campus parties if there is a track record of how many freshmen have ever been invited to this thing? Is Mickey Stern a Van Wilder, or does the writer of this movie fucking stink? Deckard says that he forgot about the party, but his annoying roommate says that he can stay behind in a fantasy world, or he could go to a frat party and learn to walk like a man. How the hell do you go to some drunken frat party and learn to walk like a man? Seriously, what does that even mean? I've been to a frat party before when I was 19. I didn't learn how to walk like a man, because I could barely walk at all because the fucking floor was sticky. Decker chooses to attend the party, and at the final cast meeting, Sarah is texting Deckard on this device that looks like a, um, I don't know, looks like a Texas Instruments calculator converted into a Game Boy cell beeper. Sarah tells Deckard, hope you'll be watching tonight. Busta Rhymes explains to them the value of these cameras they'll each have clipped to each of them. An audience will be watching. Do something interesting. The internet audience can choose who they view at any given time. Is someone picking their nose? Cool. Let's take a look. Is Jen dropping a hot log in the Myers toilet? Awesome. Too bad we don't have smell-o-vision. Of course, this cast doesn't disappoint as they try out these cameras. This creepy grunge guy named Jim, he films taxidermy and someone films their nostrils and their tonsils and, and the, this American Pie guy films Jen's cleavage. And that would totally get him canceled in 2022. Can't film boobs anymore, man. You can't even say a girl has boobs. I believe the proper term now is flesh mountains. At the Myers house, the film site, final preparations are underway and the outside windows are boarded up. And inside, a camera guy is putting final surprises into place while Tyra Banks waits outside in the garage we never knew existed, monitoring the video screens. She also dances around the garage to hip-hop music so we can see her ass because this was 2002 and she was Tyra Banks. Yeah, she's still alive and all, at least as of this recording. Hi, Tyra. But, uh, she's got more competition if she wants to shake her ass on camera now. It's called TikTok and it's fucking annoying. Tyra, while shaking her hiney, totally misses early action on one of the monitors because Michael Myers is in the house, but he's picking up a tripod and he stabs the camera guy with it. Michael has come home and man, I feel for the guy, not the camera guy. I mean, Michael, 
Sure, he's an idiot, but can you imagine you take a trip somewhere and you come home and there's cameras all around your house because somebody is going to invite a bunch of strangers into your home and post the video recordings on the internet. Let's be fair. This was never technically not Michael's house. He was never captured. He was probably living there this whole time. Welcome to Dangertainment. Tonight, watch a homeless man squat over a camera and drop a shit ball right on the lens. See it only here on Dangertainment because we like these nerds. Let's, um, I don't know. Like Buster Rhymes, he calls Tyra and Tyra says that everything is under control, including having a car towed that was parked in front of the house that was ruining the shot and the nerve of these fucking people. That was Michael's fucking car. This is his house, and they broke in to set up a TV show and had his vehicle towed. How would you like it? Holy shiz! The crew arrives, and Sarah sees Michael's ride being towed away and looks at the broken window, and she sees Michael Myers peering out from the darkness, watching, seething, counting his money, because he isn't sure he has enough to get his car out of the impound. Sarah sees Michael, but in true Halloween fashion, she says nothing. I also assume that she knows that the car being towed away is one of Michael's cars. One of them. I, I, this guy has been committing Grand Theft Auto this entire series. And it's been well documented that he was never even taught to drive. It just goes to show Michael Myers is a better driver than most people in Los Angeles. Um, but Sarah, she just doesn't say anything about seeing Michael or thinking, oh, wow, that was, that was his car. That's how he gets around. No, no, she's Sarah. And it's just about showtime. A TV news crew is on the scene and ready for Busta Rhymes and Busta breaks it down for them. He says, Busta, what it is right now. And that everything they'll see on the cameras is real. No one is allowed to leave before the show is over. The cameras everywhere will capture someone sneaking out if they try. Tyra Banks, she's in the garage making sure that all the cameras are working and we're just now ready to kick it off despite the fact that she has not heard from the only other camera guy on the premises for hours. But hey, it's showtime. It's showbiz, baby. You don't slow down for nothing. The show must go on. The cast stands on the porch as Busta Rhymes says, Let the dangertainment begin out this motherfucker. And he blows an air horn, which I still don't understand to this day. Let the dangertainment begin out this motherfucker. I don't know. I don't know what out this motherfucker means. But I'm going to go along with it because this is dangertainment. The cast goes inside and the show has officially started. Rudy slams the door behind them and everyone jumps because, you know, this is crazy and everyone's all spooked out. Rudy celebrates his prank with giving the guy from American Pie a high five saying, way to go. This is going to be fun. Tara Reid had poop around her butthole when I went down on her. Seriously, Kevin from American Pie is in this movie and I don't know why. He was scrounging for work. The Myers house on the inside looks old dusty, decrepit, and Sarah says things look like they haven't been touched in years. Like my dick. Rudy wants to go investigate the kitchen, and he spots fresh spices with Sarah. They also find a huge butcher knife in the drawer. Creepy, hairy, grunge gym guy, uh, he doesn't want to investigate, 
but he asks this redhead named Donna what time her legs open. Tonight on Dangertainment, watch a guy in 2002 get canceled before canceling people was a thing for asking a girl on live television internet what time her legs open. These nuts. American Pie Guy scares Jen, probably because she reminds him of Tara Reid and wonders if she'll fart on his nose like Tara Reid did. He also keeps touching Jen, which, you know, I mean, let, look, I'm not even for it, but I agree. Let's just cancel this guy. Everyone sees a sinister baby chair in the kitchen, and they decide that this is the reason why they should investigate the rest of the house. Amidst all the curiosity, throw one more into the bunch. Michael Myers, who has to be dying to know, what the f- who the fuck are these people? What are, what are these cameras? Who authorized this? Michael Myers is standing in the shadows, watching, waiting, with a butcher knife, with blood on it, even though he has not killed anybody with the butcher knife yet. Look, I and I know he stabbed Lori days ago, but this is fresh blood on his butcher knife. Why is there fresh blood on this butcher knife? Why did no editor or producer ask these questions? Cut to Mickey Stern's Halloween party, his extravaganza. Deckard and his floppy-haired fucking roommate are dressed up like the guys from Pulp Fiction. Um, John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson. And Deckard wants to find a private room in a house that isn't his so he can use the computer that he doesn't own because that's what people do when you have parties. They help themselves to your home. Seriously, that's why I don't throw parties. Stay the fuck out of my house. Don't touch my stuff. Deckard does end up finding a computer and he logs into Dangertainment to check on the action. And back in Haddonfield, a group of trick-or-treaters drop a lit jack-o'-lantern off on the front porch of the Myers house. I'm surprised Busta Rhymes didn't have the guys from Flip Mode chase these little shits off the property. But that's that's how street this movie is. Anything goes. Flip Mode. Inside the dining room... Everyone is lighting the kitchen table candles. Jen and the guy from American Pie are going up the stairs. When a step collapses, he says, Be careful, Jen, and continues to cop cheap feels on Jen. Jen once again repels him when they continue up the stairs. The guy from American Pie films her butt cheeks on the webcam because, yeah, it's been three years since the original American Pie, and he's still sex-obsessed and he now vows to lose his virginity by the end of Halloween night. I shouldn't be so hard on him. I mean, this is all he knows. Remember when him, Finch, and Jim set up that webcam so they could spy on Nadia getting undressed in Jim's room? And Jim uh, went in there, but he blew his load twice all over the internet, and everyone saw it, which now would technically be a felony for streaming underage teens having sex? This guy never learned his lesson. American Pie is a crime movie. That's the reason why it's not on Disney+. Plus. Jen does have a nice butt, though. She has those tight black pants on. You just want to bury your nose between her cheeks as she makes you recite the entire alphabet backwards right after she just farted. <laughs> Jen and Tara Reid, fish mouth guy, go into Judith Myers' old room, and the American Pie guy tries to get Jen to give his webcam a show. You know, for the show, for the show. Come on, Jen, get naked. One flash, and you could light up a thousand computer screens. Yeah, that's what the guy behind Girls Gone Wild would say. Now where the fuck is he? He's this broke ex-con now, from what I understand. 
the early 2000s were wild. Like, how did any of us even survive? Jen, she might deliver the goods, though. She acts like she's going to show her boobies, but no booby. Michael was also watching from the darkness, probably popping a Myers boner, hoping to get a show, though it is his right. Like, once again, I'm going to drive the point home. This is Michael's house. This was never not Michael's house. American Pie guy, though, he is not happy, but he's also holding a lantern, which how many women have ever showed their hooters to a man holding a lantern? Like, this isn't, this, this, this hasn't happened since 1878. The feed cuts, and Deckard isn't happy because back at the party, he thought he saw someone else in the hall with Jen and the American Pie guy, though I don't know why he'd be watching anybody else but Sarah. Maybe he likes Booby, too. I don't know. He is a male, and this was 2002. It was wild. Tyra Banks is upset, too, out in the garage because now, because the feed cut out, all she sees is static. But thankfully, the feed is then restored, Deckard is interrupted by a couple looking to get horny. Horny. Looking to get horny in the computer room. And the girl is like, come here, lover boy, to the guy she's with. But Deckard is at the desk. She wants to get banged on. And the other guy, he just isn't happy about this. He calls Deckard a perv, even though they, like, Deck, Deckard was stationary. He wasn't the moving object in this situation. Your horniness invaded his space not the other way around. Don't mind Deckard. He's here in another man's house trying to watch a feed on his computer, okay? Deckard plays it cool, though. The weird horny girl nearly sat on his head as she backed up to the computer desk, but it's all good. Deckard says that he's watching the mass murderer house exploration. Would they like to watch it, too? The horny guy immediately says no, because his weenie is hard. But the chick is like, sure, because that's what chicks do. Yeah, they see your staff at full attention, but they hold the keys to the gate. They decide who enters, who leaves, and who remains there for eternal damnation. Back at the Myers house, Redhead Donna and Grunge Jim, they go into the basement and rattle off some sophisticated lingo as dirty talk. And Jim says, when are you going to get out of your head and start thinking with your body? Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. This was a legal Pickup line in 2002. In fact, it would have made it to the pickup line playoffs right next to Did It Hurt <laughs> When You Fell From Heaven? Tonight on Dangertainment, welcome to the pickup line playoffs. After a musical performance by Buster Rhymes, hear the best pickup line of all time, which is Do you have a mirror in your pocket? Because I can see myself in your pants right next to your farts. These nuts. Rudy and Sarah, they're elsewhere, wandering around, and Rudy says that he thinks Michael's psychosis came from a poor diet. They hear Jen scream upstairs, and they come running. American Pie Guy doesn't know what happened, though he's been touching Jen since he met her. How could he lose her at a time like this? While looking for Jen, they completely miss Michael in the background the worst hidden statue of all time, still holding the knife covered in blood of someone he never killed. Jen jumps out and she scares everyone and... <laughs> Man! Oh, this is Halloween havoc! You feel my heart? Oh, this entire thing was a prank! Jen was never lost. She was just hiding, waiting to jump out at people in a house with no electricity and fresh spices and bad pickup lines. 
Sarah calls Jen a bitch. Jen calls Sarah a slut, which, you know, doesn't fit here. Like, that insult is null and void. Sarah has shown anything but hoe tendencies, but the writer of this movie needed some deep and resonating insults. Uh, Rudy doesn't think the prank was funny at all. He calls Jen foul and says that her breath stinks. Back with Deckard at the party, his audience has now grown with more people watching the feed. Everyone but the owner of the house who would have said, Hey, uh, um, party's out there. Could, could, could you get off my dad's computer? In the garage, even though their tech guy has been missing and dead for hours now, Busta Rhymes and Tyra Banks are drinking wine and toasting to their presumptive success. In the house, American Pie Guy tells Amir that he's going to get Jen back for that scariness she just pulled. But wait, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's been lurking around the halls? Michael Myers busts through the he busts through the mirror and stabs Kevin from American Pie in the head. For the second time since American Pie, Kevin gets head again. That is stabbed in the head. With Michael's butcher knife. Tara Reed. Despite this being a quiet house, nobody heard the commotion or glass breaking or a curly-headed mannequin getting stabbed. Well, Kevin from American Pie's camera is also dead, but no matter. Busta Rhymes and Tyra Banks are really celebrating now, saying shit like, We are doing our thing! Grunge Jim and Redhead Donna, they're gaining some, some sexual traction. And so is the writer of this movie, whose little Peter probably got hard when he wrote the section of this script at his little desk. Donna bumps into Jim and she says, sorry. Jim says, are you? Donna says, listen to this, you're such a Lothario. Jim admits to Donna that he doesn't know what a Lothario is, just like me. But Donna smooches him and promises his nose a one-way ticket to asshole city. Elsewhere, Rudy, Sarah, and Jen find a coloring book that has color outside the lines. Rudy points out the obvious. Wait a minute, all of this is too easy. Like, why is all of this stuff still here? Fresh spices? Coloring books with fucked up pages? Baby seats with shackles? They even wonder where the American Pie Kid is. But Jen just thinks that he's mad at her and using this whole time on the internet to skulk. I mean, this was before YouTube, before TikTok, Facebook, Instagram Live. This was rare. And apparently, the guy from American Pie, the guy who jizzed into the cup that Stifler drank out of, is mad that some blonde isn't giving him the same time of day and using his face as a pogo stick for her ass crack the way Tara Reid did. Elsewhere, Jim and Donna, they find a key. And they crawl down into some sort of dungeon within the Myers house, which, you know, come on. Come to think of it now... Everyone in this house has lanterns, and it bothers me. Jim wonders if they kept Michael down here in this dungeon, because it even has chains on the walls. Donna can't hide it, though. She's horny, and she wants to get it on and have some dirty sex right there in the Myers dungeon. They throw the cameras to the ground, but they don't bother to make sure that the cameras aren't recording. Back with Deckard, the crowd has grown even more. Deckard has become a host of this internet feed of some sort, uh, inside a house that isn't even his on a computer he does not pay for. Hell, even Deckard's annoying roommate and his girlfriend have joined the party. At the sight of Donna and Jim making out, the audience cheers and Deckard's roommate whispers to his girl, I could be a camera. 
does this even mean? This guy's name is Scott for what it's worth. That's the roommate's name, Scott. And he just told a chick at a party, I could be a camera. I, I just... I, I just don't know what that means or why an editor in the world would include this in any final cut of any movie. Deckard keeps his eyes peeled to the screen. Either he's popping a massive rod or he knows it in his bones. Something isn't right. Jim tells Donna to say something smart and she says, existence precedes essence. Jim says, you are sexy. What? Look, I'm going to give you a pro tip here. People talk about how ridiculous these movies got, right? Uh, even the Friday the 13th, the Nightmare on Elm Street, like all of your favorite slashers, they talk about as the movies go on, how like just utterly ridiculous they become and just unbelievable. But I'm going to tell you something. The Michael Myers movies did not get ridiculous with the big eye holes from H2O, okay? I thought that was the bottom. But no, if you want to look where these movies take a really bad turn, start with the script. How did anybody write the script to Halloween 8 and have a line where some guy at a party tells a girl, I could be a camera? That guy had a job in Hollywood, and this was a major theatrical release. I don't care if it did $3 at the box office. This was released in movie theaters. This movie got my $3. I went and saw this movie in theaters. And I thought it was good. And then I hit puberty and I realized, oh, wow, this movie sucks donkey balls. For crying out loud. The script. The script is incredibly awful. Donna takes her shirt off and they go to the ground. Jim's hairy rod revving up the speed into Clamtown. But wait a minute. A wall breaks and out of this broken wall comes rotting skeletons. Donna freaks out. She's covered in corpse and her panties are drying up at a record rate. But Jim spots it. <laughs> An arm with a sticker that says made in Taiwan in the garage Busta Rhymes and Tyra Banks, they high-five. Their ruse worked. Plus, Busta Rhymes just had a hit song come out called As I Come Back. Life is good right now. Michael Myers enters the house with his bloody knife and stalks across the living room. And behind him, M Michael Myers, with his bloody knife, also enters the house and stalks across the, the, the living room. And, and behind Michael Myers... One Michael is following an, another Michael until the Michael makes a creaking noise and Busta Michael rhymes, turns around and gives the Michael behind him a piece of his Busta minds. Uh, of course, he doesn't realize this is the real Michael he's talking to. He thinks that it's the camera guy who's been missing for hours, who got impaled earlier with a tripod. He thinks it's the camera guy who found a spare Halloween costume, like a spare Michael Myers costume. He thinks it's him. And uh, look, I uh, I have the transcript here of of Buster Rhymes freaking the fuck out on this real Michael, but me reciting it isn't going to do it any justice. So, thank you, Dimension Films. Here's that scene because no reenactment by me is going to do it any justice at all. Let's take a look. Hey. 
you do that, man? Don't you know we've been looking all over this motherfucker for you? And why the hell you dressed like me anyway? I ain't paying you to be Michael Myers. I'm playing Michael Myers. If them kids come around and see us dressed up in the same shit, you're going to ruin the whole effect. Ah, damn it. the hell is wrong with you? I said, what you looking at me like that for? Huh? You don't get it? You don't get it? Your shit ain't working up there or something? You need to take your ass in the back of the garage with Nora. That's your job. Go back there with Nora and help her ass out. Go do your job. I left the back door unlocked for your ass to go out the back into the garage. That's what I did. You need to get the hell out of here. And Michael Myers just walks away, which tells me that real recognizes real. And he likes Busta's jam, Better Stay Up In Your House, featuring Ra Digga. He fucks with it. Down in the dungeon, Donna and Jim are clothed and their cameras are back on. Donna spots a glimmer of light behind the wall that collapsed with fake bodies. A hidden room, if you will. A tunnel now under the Myers house. A forgotten Haddonfield sewer system section tunnel. And in it, a cot with a moldy blanket that has never been washed with downy or tied which eliminates 50% more stains than other leading laundry detergents. There are raw animal carcasses at the bedside and a doll in bed with nails through the eyes. And at the head of the bed, a torn newspaper clipping of Laurie Strode, the survivor of a Halloween night massacre. This is the true resting place of Michael Myers. This is no setup. And according to Halloween Resurrection, Michael sleeps with the doll baby and reads newspapers. Donna realizes the carcasses aren't props. The light goes out, and Donna is spooked, and she calls for Jim. Her camera catches Michael, and back with Deckard, the audience bursts out laughing. They can't believe how fake this looks. Donna takes off running, but she runs into a rusty gate, and Michael impales her on a metal spike. No one looks at his baby doll and lives. Deckard knows this is real, though. He says, that really happened. She was really just killed. And everyone laughs again and just calls him gullible. There's no way a killer who was never caught or found is wandering around his home and murdering people on live internet feeds. That just couldn't happen at all. The body count is getting high, but elsewhere, so are Jen and Rudy who somehow snuck a bong in and they're toking away and laughing that they're wearing cameras. In another room, Sarah is reading through a book because research in a house with no electricity. It's dark. From the corner of her room, Michael emerges. Sarah turns around and runs off going up the stairs. She alerts Rudy and Jen and they come down, but they don't believe her until Michael grabs Sarah from behind. But wait, Jim, after some sexy, red-haired butthole action with the now-dead Donna, he whacks Michael in the back with a log, and Michael falls, but Myers is like, Whoa, whoa, come on the cameras! It's me, Freddy! Rudy, Jim, and Sarah can't believe this. They've been running around this house, getting high, and trying to have sex. And this 
isn't a real investigation. But Buster Rhymes breaks it down for them. Listen, motherfuckers, y'all can't blow this shit now. I set all this shit up and we could receive a big payout for this. America don't like reality. They like pizzazz. Just go along with it. Now I'm going to go scare the shit out these motherfuckers. <laughs> and then Buster Rhymes runs off around the corner, pulling the Myers mask back on. Do you think at the rap party, Buster Rhymes gave everyone a copy of his CD and a t-shirt? This movie does feel like one big Buster Rhymes infomercial. Buster Rhymes should be a much smaller character than what he is, given the part he plays. Upstairs, Jen comes out of the hot box weed room, which I'm sure she also farted in, so it smells like weed and eggs. Jen walks down the dark hallway, and up above, she sees the attic pull-down door bulging, like something heavy is pressing on it from above. She yanks the attic pull string, and there's the guy from American Pie hanging upside down in the hallway from the attic ladder. Tara Reed might come to the funeral because he ate her vajayjay that good. Jim, Oz, Finch, and Stifler might come too. After all, they did make a pact. I mean, that was to lose their virginity by prom night, but still, that'll bond you for life. Anyway, downstairs, Rudy, Sarah, and Jim are discussing what they want to do now. Do they go forward for the money, or do they call it quits? They decide to hang it up for the night, but then they hear Jen screams from upstairs. Then, Michael appears from around the corner. Now, we have a great big debacle of Jen cried wolf here. Because earlier, she pranked everybody by farting into their faces and running away. But also, Michael appearing with a knife at the top of the stairs, they think it's Busta Rhymes. Is he going to slash her or challenge her to a rap battle? Sarah, Rudy, and Jim, they don't believe what they're seeing. But seeing is believing. And there's not enough on-the-spot special effects in the world to orchestrate chopping a blonde girl head off with a butcher knife in front of your eyes. Which is what happens. Jen's head bounces down the stairs like a blonde-haired covered volleyball, and it lands at their feet. Now, wait a minute. This is real! Tonight on Dangertainment, shit gets real when these nuts, these nuts go in your face. How big is this old house when no one hears the attacks? Sarah, Rudy, and Jim try to get out the front door, but it's locked. Back of the Deckard party, the audience just laughs and wants to know how they did the whole Jen decapitation gig. I mean, this is primo stuff, bro. Deckard isn't convinced, though. In fact, now he knows there's real murder happening in front of their eyes on a computer screen somebody else bought. Deckard takes it a step forward. He picks up the phone of whoever's house this is, and he dials 911. Deckard's first words really drive home the seriousness of this whole thing. He says, Hello, 911? Michael comes down the stairs, everyone scatters, and they're kicking out windows, just trashing Michael's house. Jim hits Michael with a camera tripod. The second attack with the same weapon was probably Buster Rhymes' idea. See, what y'all need to do right now is nod your fucking head and use a tripod to attack Michael because he used one earlier to spear a motherfucker. Michael isn't phased, though, by Jim's tripod attack. In fact, now he's pissed. Michael is so pissed that he stabs his knife into a wall, grabs Jim by the head, and squeezes his head to death. Imagine word spreading around to Jim's family and friends. Hey, um, just sit down. Why? What, what's going on? Some terrible news. Okay. Jim died. 
Jim? Curly-haired grunge Jim? What? Oh my god! How? What happened? Some old man in a Halloween mask woes his head to death. Sarah and Rudy just stand there and watch Jim's head crackle, but no help at all. Um, and after the, the snap and pop, Jim is dead. And uh, Sarah and Rudy, they take off running again. Sarah goes to run up the stairs, but a step snaps. Michael's house is just plummeting in resale value. Rudy from behind has to divert Michael. No one else is helping. There's been clear evidence of the real murder for hours now, but Tyra Banks, Buster Rhymes, and the entire internet haven't done a damn thing. Rudy says, Yeah, Michael, I'm talking to you. You want a piece of me? Rudy leads Michael into the kitchen while Sarah runs away, and Rudy is ready to show out. The kitchen is where he makes it happen. He talks shit to Michael, telling him, Try less protein in your diet. You like sushi, motherfucker? You want to kill me? Rudy even smacks Michael with a rolling pin, throwing spices in his eyes, and picks up two butcher knives. Back at the Deckard party, Deckard is racking up the owner of this house's phone bill with his call to 911 as he says, Yeah, I know what 911 is for. This is not a hoax. The rest of the party can't be bothered, though. Someone is probably getting their ass eaten in an upstairs bedroom, and the internet audience is thrilled. They watch Rudy slash at Michael with his two butcher knives. Speaking of, has anyone ever looked directly into the camera this entire time since they've known all of this was real and said, hey, look, something's wrong. Please call the cops. This is not a joke. This is not a show. A chick literally just got her head chopped off and another guy's head got popped. Please do something. Somebody out there now, please. Rudy's assault and escape comes to an end when he tries to run out the back door, but it's locked. Michael grabs Rudy's arms, pins him up against a wall and stabs two knives into him, sticking him to the wall like a Rudy candlestick holder. The audience cheers though. And one girl comments at Sarah's cries. She's a really talented actress. Sarah is barricaded in her room, and it's her last resort. She pulls out her ancient calculator texting Game Boy and messages the only person who can stop Michael now, Deckard. Then she speaks into the camera, pleading, Deckard, if you're out there. And Deckard, he's watching from a computer that he's not even paying for. I have no idea how much the internet service costs a month, but Deckard's using it, and he's not going to receive a bill for it either. But you know what? He's going to type back on it and he's going to use the shit out of it. He says, Deckard here. Everyone now knows in this moment, this isn't a hoax. Some chick is like, this isn't funny anymore, guys. Somebody do something. But now we can use this to our advantage. They can see what Sarah can't. And they immediately warn her that Michael is coming up the stairs because that's where she barricaded herself. A room with no escape route. There was probably a stereo in there with Buster Rhyme CDs nearby. She wanted to jam. Deckard messages her and tells her not to scream as Michael is out in the hallway staring into dead American Pie guy's face. And Sarah, of course, screams. Michael hears her and Deckard says, try the window as the crowd around him just screams directions at the screen. Deckard keeps his composure though because he's cool. He's a cool deck. I'm surprised he didn't turn around to the crowd right then and be like, yo, everyone chill. Call me Deck from now on because we're about to hit it. Sarah tries the window and what do you know? It opens 
She just needed an ancient Game Boy calculator to tell her that a window opens. She crawls out and closes it behind her as Michael enters the room. The audience around Deckard screams the obvious, It's too high! She's up too high! Oh no! Michael breaks his head through the window and Sarah kicks him in the nose, then shoves it in her ass and breaks wind on it. Michael is pissed. The nose of his white mask is now brown, kind of like a mocha. Sarah goes up to crawl up the roof, but Michael slashes her ankle back at the Deckard party. Everyone is packed into the room, now fully invested, including probably the person hosting the party, but still hasn't taken control of his own home PC because he's a coward. If that were me, and some guy was typing away on my computer and being a hero, between his violent outbursts, I would just throw in, yeah, everyone, thankfully this guy is using my computer the right way and able to be a hero because of my premium internet service that I pay for. Sarah crawls to the top of the house and then into the attic, but there's an issue. Deckard and company can't see her anymore because the cameras weren't wired up here, which I didn't know they needed a play-by-play. I thought the most important thing was for her to escape. Sarah asks the camera where he is and Deckard says, hallway and now in his old bedroom. Wouldn't it have been crazy if Michael just started whacking it? Just in the middle of this chase, just lays on his bed, and he's like, yeah, it's time to do this again. Time to break it back in. Sarah even sees the dead camera guy stashed up in the attic, and the crowd amps it up here. Tell her to go! Now's her chance! Go! The Haddonfield Police Department should have responded by now, but, well, they're still restaffing from all the murders and the defund the police movement. Sarah crawls down the attic ladder over the dead American pie guy, the closest that man's face will ever come again to an ass. And now Sarah's in the hallway. Busta rhymes. Then he he pulls Sarah into a dark corner and whispers, my God, my God, everybody's dead. We got to get the fuck out of here now. Do you think I'd sell more CDs if I dropped the price from $18.99 to $15.99? Sarah and Busta Rhymes, they tiptoe, but here comes Michael. Busta Rhymes tackles Michael, but Michael is back up, and Michael throws Busta Rhymes into an old bedroom. Busta isn't scared, though. This is what hip-hop's all about. Rise to the occasion and beat the shit out of this old raisin. Busta Rhymes gives Michael this evil look and says, So, you want to be on Dangertainment? Let's see what you got. And then Busta Rhymes goes, Why? And Roundhouse kicks Michael in the face, just like the karate character in the movie earlier in this movie. That's why Busta Rhymes was watching karate in his hotel room, to learn moves. Busta goes for another kick, but Michael catches this one. But Sarah grabs a camera, hops on Michael's back, tries to strangle him with the cord and the smell of her farts. Michael throws her off and onto a dusty bed. Dust and years of dry jizz poofing up everywhere. But Busta says, Yo, Mike, come see me. Come see me. You want to fuck with me? You motherfucker. Look, I have to tell you, reading these subtitles was probably the most fun I've had watching any horror movie ever. Because every horror movie sucks. But not reading the subtitles for Halloween Resurrection. Busta goes for another karate kick and puts this one in the center of Michael's chest. Michael flies back through the window and with the camera cord still around his neck, Michael falls off the front porch, overhang, and just hangs. Side note, as Michael was falling through the glass, we got a quick camera shot of his white mask, like the close-up as his head flew back and he fell off the roof. Uh, Busta and Sarah stare, not actually seeing Michael hang, 
you know, just assuming that he fell out of a window and everything is fine now. And Busta says, let's get out of here. Come on. Busta tells Sarah that Michael's been living under this house for 20 years, but he swears on his soul that he had no idea. But wait, breaking news from the ancient Game Boy says she's still alive. They peer out the window and Michael has cut the cable he was hanging from and he's gone. Busta Rhymes says, this is bad. Sarah asks Deckard where Michael is and Deckard says, in the house. And then behind them, Michael Myers is standing there. Michael stabs Buster Rhymes twice. Sarah runs into the kitchen, more locked doors, and she finds Rudy's body. Sarah runs into the basement and, and she finds dead Donna in record time. And Michael is down there, and aside from camera glimpses of his white mask, we get cinematic glimpses of his white mask and bloody knife, like the director was saying, look, we need to sell this. Do a slow-mo of his white mask and bloody knife, just to let the audience know. This is serious. Sarah finds a ladder and she crawls up, getting her calf slashed, but also kicking Michael in the face. And she crawls up and out and puts the lid back on. And she puts a bunch of garage shit on top of the cover because now she's in the garage. One of the garage things she knocked over starts leaking gasoline, by the way. Um, I'm sure this will have no effect on, you know, the, the rest of this movie. In the garage, though, she's safe, right? Like Tyra Banks is there. Right? Is she? Is Tyra Banks there? I haven't seen Tyra Banks in a while. Well, she was. But now there's blood all over the floor that Sarah slips on and Tyra Banks is hanging from the ceiling. Sarah looks on the monitors and sees all the dead faces of her cast members and she is trapped. Michael opens the garage door and looks for Sarah who is hiding under the monitors. All Michael has to do though, I mean, this is the worst hiding strategy ever uh, and, and I sucked at hide and go seek, but no, this is bad. All Michael has to do to find Sarah is look at the monitor and see the one camera that's looking back at him. Michael moves the chair out of the way, but Sarah is out and in his face, and she's got a chainsaw. A motherfucking chainsaw, what? A chainsaw, what? Motherfucking chainsaw, what? A chainsaw she didn't even have to pull string to start up. She just bursts out, and this chainsaw is full-on revving. Haddonfield Chainsaw Massacre. Michael has never seen some shit quite like this. Sarah says, You bastard! This is for Jen! And for Rudy! For all of them! Sarah slashes away at Michael, slicing his body. She slashes through the low-hanging power cords from the ceiling, and the sparks reach the puddle of gas on the floor, and a fire starts. But the chainsaw stops, and Sarah cannot get it started again. Don't you hate when that happens? She throws the chainsaw at Michael instead. An explosion happens because everything in this garage is flammable and the fire spreads. Sarah is on the ground and her leg is trapped under a five-pound computer desktop. And Michael sits up. Michael grabs his knife. The final treat of this cruel trick. Sarah tries to crawl away, but she can't because the stuff that's not heavy is totally weighing her down. Michael raises his knife, but the nearby door crashes down, and in comes Busta Rhymes. Busta Rhymes drops the line of the century on Michael right here. Trick or treat, motherfucker! Busta picks up a shovel and swings, cracking it across Michael's body, and the shovel breaks. But Busta uses the busted shovel handle 
as a weapon and he whacks Michael again until Michael catches the handle and they struggle. Busta goes, no, no. And then Michael power shoves Busta back against the garage wall, breaking shelves and Busta lands on his ass in a pile of debris. And yeah, he might be knocked out yet again, but this is a chance to rethink his whole album strategy. Like maybe show some more appreciation to the crew. Possibly take the flip mode squad out to Chili's for dinner or something. You know, appreciation. Michael closes in on Buster Rhymes and raises his knife, looking to end an illustrious and prolific rap career long live the streets. But Buster opens his eyes, sees a nearby power source box, yanks the cord out, and holding a live wire in his hands. And then Buster Rhymes does the only thing only a man of his stature would do at a time like this. He shoves the live power wire at Michael Myers' balls, shocking Myers' ball sack into oblivion. And get this, Michael goes backwards. And though Michael has never spoken a word in this entire series, even Michael's vacant, rotting vocal cords can't resist the pain and raw electricity of a jolted ball bag. And Michael screams, as he stumbles back, getting tangled in some ceiling cords because no one is above a zap to the testicles. Not even the shape. Busta takes the power cable and pushes it into the puddle of blood and gasoline on the floor because he knew that blood and gasoline were highly flammable and Michael gets shocked and tangled in the cords. Busta says, Burn, motherfucker! Burn! And then Busta gets the two pounds of cords off of Sarah picks her up over his shoulder with her ass in his face, and right before running out of the garage, Busta gets one more line in. Because this movie's all about Busta Rhymes. He says, Hey, Mikey! Happy fucking Halloween! And then he runs out. The hero, wounded. Hot chick slung over his shoulder. Her ass in his face. Her butt juice. Her booties. Her booty cheeks. Just clapping in his face as he runs out of the burning garage. Michael Burns. Well, in true Haddonfield EMS fashion, the entire Haddonfield EMS service, uh, the crew show up four hours late and the garage has burnt totally to the ground. It's just firemen pouring water on black wood. No smoke, despite the fire literally just happening. There are backyard bonfires that burn longer than this. But that isn't important. The real story is Busta Rhymes and Sarah are survivors and they're not without their physical trauma. Busta Rhymes has his shoulder wrapped and Sarah is draped in a blanket because she's cold while on the scene of an inferno. Sarah's messaging Game Boy Texas Instruments calculator thing goes off and it's Deckard who says, you're alive. We could see you on the news. Well, no shit, Deckard. Is that how you could tell she was alive? You see her on the news? The question is, what if Deckard got her killed? Would he still watch the news to see them wheel her body bag out of the house? I'll tell you what should have happened here on the news. Michael Myers should have been in front of the camera as a fucking survivor. A survivor of a fierce home invasion and an invasion of privacy. A group of young, combative people showed up to his house with cameras. What was my man supposed to do? This movie had it all wrong. Sarah, the hero, is bombarded by reporters and cameras who want to know what happened with Michael Myers because this early in the investigation, with bodies still being toe-tagged, one of the first responders told the people, yeah, yeah, it was Mike. Yeah, 
the Mike, spread the word. We need it for this movie's plot. Sarah is soaking up the spotlight and looks into the camera and says, Thank you, Deckard. You saved my life. Back at the party, music is booming again, and everyone is having a great fucking time. Yeah, some people got butchered tonight on a live internet feed, and only two people out of eight survived. But yeah, this guy in the broke-ass Pulp Fiction costume, he made heroics happen. Deckard's worst roommate of all time gives him a high five, and Deckard is just getting hugged by random chicks who now want to bone him because of his typing skills on someone else's computer. And you know what? I agree. Deckard should forget all about Sarah. That would have been the ultimate plot twist. She's cut up anyway, and her ass stinks like cheese and smoke. There's so much poontang at this party. He's hugging chicks in sexy maid outfits. Why would he give a shit about a girl stupid enough to take a camera into the home of a mass murderer who never died? You think she knows how to cook dinner and do laundry too, man? <laughs> Move on, Deckard. Plus, someone turned the music back up and the party is bumping again. People are dead and all, but... And, you know, someone's head fell off. But turn up those tunes. It's time to celebrate. The guy with the fake name is a hero. Sarah is asked by the reporters, what does it feel like to be a hero? How does it feel now that it's all over? And Sarah says, what makes you think it's all over? Thankfully, a real pro steps in because he's back. The man of the movie. Buster Rhymes, who says, no more cameras. Dangertainment is off the air. Why don't y'all show some respect? The reporters aren't phased, though. They ask a platinum rapper with a fake website about Michael Myers. And Busta says, Michael Myers is not a sound bite, a spinoff, a tie-in, some celebrity scandal. Michael Myers is a killer shark in baggy-ass overalls that gets his kicks off of killing everything and everyone that he comes across. That's all. We're done dancing for these cameras. Let's get out of here, Sarah. I'll lick the smoke and cheese out your ass in my hotel room while we watch more Jackie Chan movies. The reporters aren't phased, though. They're still not phased. They're like, but how are you feeling? Busta chuckles. He was waiting all movie for this moment. He's like, you want to know how I'm feeling? Feel this. Busta's hand come, uh, it, it just covers the camera lens, and you hear some panicked white dude saying, my camera! When the director yelled cut, he probably paused for a moment, looked around and said, everyone? Yeah, I felt it. The way Mr. Rhymes just said it, I felt it. I have to go buy his CD now. They wheel Michael's body to the ambulance and for some reason, Sarah wants to see his face. Just to prove it's over. The fireman warns Sarah that it's not a pretty sight. He unzips the bag and Buster Rhymes says, you look at a little crispy over there, Mikey. Like some chicken fried motherfucker. Well, may he never, ever rest in peace. Because sound bites from Buster Rhymes are what this movie gravitates around. They need it like air. Because otherwise, there's no script. There sure as hell isn't a plot. At the hospital, they wheel Michael's body into the morgue. The woman in there is like... Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Another one? Hear that, everyone? <laughs> Whenever you lose a dear loved one, there's a mortician out there saying, oh God, another body, another body? Just my fucking luck. <laughs> and I was looking forward to an early night. Another piece of shit loses their life and it's my job to prepare their body. When does it all end? 
the EMT says, it's a celebrity. It's Michael Myers. Well, now we're cooking with gas. The medical examiner now realizes that this isn't some poor old sap that could be your mom, dad, or aunt. This is Michael fucking Myers. Business has just picked up. The mortician abandons her current body she's working on and unzips Michael's body bag, which I imagine she probably got a whiff of smoky ass and burnt rubber. And now we finally get a glimpse of Michael, what Buster Rhymes was looking at when he said, chicken fried motherfucker. Michael's hair has completely melted off, but his eye holes, amazingly, are still intact. Mask is a little melted, but his new jumpsuit isn't burnt at all, despite him literally dying in an inferno. This guy should have been fucking naked. Like, that jumpsuit was so intact, it could it could probably still be donated at the nearest thrift shop. Like, inflation is real, people. Look for the deals. How is Michael not naked? How isn't he just this charred, naked thing with a white mask? The medical examiner goes to do what no other investigator in this entire movie series has ever done. And she peels back Michael's melted mask. But his eyes shoot open, melted hair, smoky face and all. And the credits roll to The high fives that must have went around when they wrapped shooting were sickening. They had to be. Imagine shitting on a public sidewalk and your friends high-fiving you for it and handing you millions of dollars. That's how this movie was made. And that's just what the public did. We handed these people our money. I'm ashamed to say that I went to the theaters to see this. And, and man, like, I'm even more ashamed to say I thought it was cool at the time. But like I had mentioned earlier, that was also before I lost my virginity or owned a car or had real friends. I went to see this with my sister and her now ex-boyfriend, who was a juggalo. Now, I'm down with the clown. I'm down to clown. The insane clown posse is the shit. Clown love for real. Yeah, you heard me. I see P till the day I die, motherfuckle. Whoop, whoop. But this guy, my sister's ex-boyfriend, this guy had painted hair. And she said after they broke up that his ball stank like a moldy wash rag. And come to think of it, she's now my ex-sister because she hasn't talked to me in years. I'm not supposed to joke about it, but family trauma is hilarious. Ask the Myers. Their son killed their daughter, and they let this heathen run around unchecked for years until he killed his other sister. Great parenting. Should have found a better daycare. And Michael also killed this franchise. He did. After Halloween Resurrection, the producers were so disgusted with themselves that they seriously just handed the franchise over to Rob Zombie to salvage. And then they bashed his shit. And then, uh, and then literally after bashing his shit, they just restarted it all together. And that's where Halloween 2018 comes in. And, and, and then Halloween ends. Evil dies tonight. (sighs) Halloween kills. Halloween ends. Um, man, I I don't want to cover that, but I guess I'm going to because I have no self-respect and I have OCD. So I, I can't cover Halloween kills, but not Halloween ends especially when I did not yet cover Halloween 2018 as of this episode. I'm going to stop talking because I heard Michael Myers scream in pain 
after his balls got shocked. And I got to tell you, I, I, I feel bad for the guy. But I feel even worse for myself. Because I am about an hour and 32 minutes in talking about this fucking movie. You know how long this movie is? Probably literally about that long. I should have just done a fucking watch along. But no, I had to be creative. You know what? Negative... Negative 16 million and 14,000 and one middle fingers. Halloween Resurrection, you are like, I, I, I just. Uh,